Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, kin folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we are going to do our college football awards mailbag, where we take on some of your questions, most of your comments, and uh, all of my questions, all of my comments, because, well, my name's on the show. And to help me do that each, every time that we do the mailbag is lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm getting there, man. I'm, I'm, it's a vibe. You know, it's a vibe. We're heading into what is bowl season, but it's, it's a lull. Do you feel the lull? Look, it, it has been a marathon of a season. I'm just happy to get to this point. So I full, I'm happy with a lull, at least for now. Right on, right on. Well, we know who the Heisman finalists are. We know the coach of the year finalists are. We even know as we're taping this, who the Brilliant winner is, but that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss our listeners questions and frankly uh, they've been coming through with some answers yeah yeah so you put out the question who should win the Heisman I know this is your favorite award you love talking about it so let's just start with that and our first response comes from Steve who says Cy I assume Steve is an Oklahoma fan uh, Cy Caleb Williams by the largest margin in history I don't know about that but I do like Caleb Williams's chances how do you feel about it I like his chances too. Uh, shout out to Steve, who is not only one of my great friends, but also helped me find this home where I do these shows from. Uh, stand up, dude. You need a reel to go talk to Steve. He's also, yeah, a diehard <laughs> OU football fan. And he is dying a little bit inside every time Lincoln Riley comes from behind to win or has a quarterback that is what doing what Caleb Williams has done, right? Like, I don't know that I I think he's being facetious. As a matter of fact, I know he's being facetious when he says the largest margin of victory, but he watched what we all watched, which was Caleb Williams essentially win the Heisman Trophy against Notre Dame, doing the kind of thing that, frankly, we've come to think is synonymous with an Oklahoma quarterback, a la Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, or even back in the day, Baker Mayfield could give you some wiggle too. So I don't think it's going to be the largest, but I think most people agree, and most of those people have votes that he is going to win the Heisman. Although, if we get into this, I do have a take on this that I want to throw back at you, but that's my two cents on the Caleb Williams winning the Heisman, Tyler. Yeah, I definitely think he won it against Notre Dame, as is tradition with USC players who won the Heisman. They seem to stamp it with an epic performance against Notre Dame. Always results in a win, and I have the misfortune, I guess, of having to watch it on the other end. You look at Matt Leiner, he ended the season, or ended the regular season, Awesome performance against Notre Dame. Won the Heisman. Carson Palmer, same thing. Reggie Bush at least did it in the middle of the season in 2005. 
But all three of them won the Heisman. I think Caleb Williams is going to do the same. And honestly, for good reason. He's had an incredible year. Most people on the East Coast haven't really been able to watch it because USC start times are usually pretty late. But if you've been following it, he's had an unbelievable year in his first season at USC. And it could be just another Heisman winner for Lincoln Riley. 4,000-yard passer in addition to his ability to make something happen when he should be dead in the backfield. 36 TDs. Uh, two fewer interceptions than uh, C.J. Stroud, who also, I believe, is, you know, got an outside shot at win the Heisman. He was my pick to start. But, uh, Tyler, going from that to the next question, I think, is, yeah, we're talking about Ohio State. We're talking about quarterback. Yeah. Our next response, this one comes from Zay, who seems to agree with you. Uh, Zay says, C.J. Stroud is the most complete quarterback in college football. Now, his last game obviously wasn't that great, but he did have a really stellar season. How do you feel about Stroud's chances to win the award on Saturday night? I thought he still had an outside shot based on how Caleb Williams played against Utah and how many people would actually watch that game and say, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is the Heisman Trophy is really about who did you beat down at the end of the season and do we care? And we care about USC beating down Notre Dame because that's a natural rivalry. I would argue Aiden Hutchinson made the Heisman finalist list for his performance against Ohio State in 2021. And the fact of the matter is, C.J. Stroud is still the dude who, if you want to be mean about it, and and people do, is the guy that lost to Michigan twice and hasn't won a championship. He's the best quarterback Ohio State's ever produced without winning those two things, which is why I'm so excited to see him against Georgia and frankly, having an opportunity to win a national championship. But added in there is if it's not against Michigan, Michigan fans will still say the same thing. I think he's got a shot. Uh, he did not have the kind of season he had last year, to be quite honest with everybody, but that's because they were able to sit him at halftime in more than half their games, okay? They were absolutely destroying people going into November, so much so that it felt like for a second there, Ohio State was going to be the number one team in the country come college football playoff selection Sunday. That's just not how it worked out. But how many guys get to go twice in back-to-back years? You know, usually you go twice, the second time you're winning, or you won the first time, and we have to fill this out. Uh, you know, a la one Bryce Young was what I thought. That's really the, the kicker to me. Bryce Young is not going to New York, and I thought he was a shoe-in even after their loss to uh, LSU. But I think Stroud has an opportunity here. I'll be interested to see where he lands inside the voting, how many second place, third place votes he gets as opposed to first place votes. But the way that this is done, and I want to, I want to lead this way. We have an abundance of Heisman voters that are in the Southeast. Okay, it's few in the Midwest, it's few on the West Coast. We don't really think about the East Coast as caring about the Heisman. Tyler, do you think that there are enough people? in the Southeast voting for the Heisman to really steal votes from guys like Caleb Williams, because frankly, they just didn't stay up to watch the games. I mean, it's possible. The fact that Stetson Bennett is a finalist would suggest that that's the case. Like they're leaning towards the SEC because that's in their backyard. That's what they're watching. And that actually is our next response. This one comes from law dog who mentioned spent or mentions Stetson. He says, Stetson is the epitome of what a Heisman Trophy winner should be. He plays his best when the lights are brightest. Now, if you think about the discourse a year ago at this exact same time, right? People were uh, clamoring for JT Daniels to be the starting quarterback at Georgia. JT just entered the transfer portal for what? The third time? Yes. And now Stetson is up 
to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. It's crazy how things turn out. But what do you think of Stetson's chances to win? I think he's going to finish in a a really productive and cool third. And that is because we had to get somebody off of Georgia's football team onto the Heisman finalist list because that's just how this works. It would be rather odd and awkward for the number one team in the country who's also undefeated to not have a Heisman finalist represented in New York. And because Stetson Bennett plays the all-important position that is quarterback, it's him. Now, I will add this. Stetson has absolutely changed up his whole get-down since leading Georgia to its first national championship in 40 years. I don't know if y'all been paying attention, but I'm paying attention. I'll just go ahead and call it out. He went from having this curly fro to having, uh, uh, yeah, so me, me, me and Keyshawn don't talk no more type of haircut. And yes, I said Keyshawn. If you watch that show, you know what I'm talking about. That's Derek and that's Keyshawn. You pull him up, you'll see what, exactly what I'm talking about. But that man is living his best life. I like the fade. I hope he keeps the ball fade. I like him in his Biggie and Tupac t-shirts with his Jesus chain hanging low. He is feeling himself. And frankly, those dudes want to play with him. And I think that is saying everything because he plays with tremendous confidence to this point, right? Like Law Dog's right. In the big game, Stetson Bennett has decided he's going to show up. And I don't know if there's a Heisman moment that is going to measure up to the one that we had from him, okay? Caleb Williams, absolutely taunting Notre Dame defenders in the end zone is one, right? C.J. Stroud going for like six tutties and a stomping down of the MAC champion Toledo Rockets is another. But my favorite is Stetson Bennett absolutely running into the end zone, the mailman, and then putting the, the uh, cell phone up to his ear. Because earlier in the day, Tennessee fans got a hold of Stetson Bennett's number and they chose to let him know that they had it. And his phone blew up. So he let him know, I heard you. Now, hold this L right here in Sanford. <laughs> I don't care if he does, doesn't win it. I don't care that he is there. I'm excited because this is a two America story now. And I'm here for it. Tyler, do you think he's going to do better than third? I don't know if he's going to do better than third. I'm really interested to see how the voting shakes out because, as you were saying, there's a lot of voters in the Southeast. On one hand, I think they might vote for him. But I think there were actually a lot of people, once the finalists were announced, that wanted Hendon Hooker uh, to be a finalist, and for good reason. He really? suffered a season-ending injury against um, South Carolina, really threw off one Tennessee season and his Heisman hopes. It's unfortunate that he's not going to be in New York for the award because he's had an unbelievable season. So if Hooker does attract more votes... I could see Bennett potentially sipping down to four, maybe even five, but we'll we'll see. Let's get to our next response. This one comes from Chris, who says, the best football player is Duggan, Max Duggan, quarterback for TCU. The most talented is Williams. The best QB is Stroud. It depends on what you value the Heisman to be. So, RJ, what do you value the Heisman to be? I, I want the Heisman to be about the best player in college football, not the best <laughs> offensive player in college football. Or best quarterback. And even so, yeah, uh, uh, my, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, all right, so to the point about Max Duggan, he is the epitome of college football quarterback, right? That is not a dude that you expect to go into the NFL and light everybody up. He's not going to be at the top of anybody's draft board when it comes to talking about quarterbacks, but I think he's going to get a shot, and he'll do well with that. But you're talking about a man that embodies – what it means to absolutely say, no, I'm going to win this game. I'm going to will us into this conversation. That's Max Duggan. And we got to see that against Kansas State, as we've seen it all year in the Big 12 championship game, where they just fell short. But they fell short, arguably, because Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley did not put the ball in Max Duggan's hands when the game was on the line. I'm not calling run plays 
in that situation, I've seen the ginger go get it done. Not unlike another ginger who got it done in Andy Dalton. And I was really impressed and frankly moved by his tears in the post game because you could tell he had put everything out there and he won over the country. Like if you didn't know who Max Duggan was before that game, you knew afterward, right? Now, is he going to win? No. Is he taking the spot that probably would have gone to Hinton Hooker? Yes. Hinton Hooker had the unfortunate, um, well, he had terribly unfortunate injury, but also had that injury as South Carolina put 63 on Tennessee's head and nobody's let Tennessee forget that. Like I'm the person going, y'all really need to talk more about what Tennessee was doing up until then. Honestly, like it's like they never beat Alabama. It's like they never beat five ranked teams, but Max Duggan probably wins the Heisman if they beat Kansas State. And that's saying quite a bit for a place like Texas Christian that is finally getting a little bit of the, well, deserved recognition that goes to almost everybody else. Uh, I would also add in here that, as I said, uh, and as Tyler alluded to, I'm not I'm not in on the Heisman. Like, I don't, I don't really like the Heisman. We talk about the Heisman because y'all like to hear us talk about the Heisman. But... Jalen Carter has an argument to be the best player in college football, and he plays defensive line at Georgia. I said the same damn thing about Jordan Davis last year. I said the same damn thing about Chase Young in 2019. I know y'all love Joe. I like Joe. He seems to be a cool dude. He seems to have some swag about him. But can't nobody block the predator coming off the line. They had to do playing inside linebacker against Jonathan Taylor, and he was absolutely putting Jonathan Taylor's on his behind. And many of y'all got Jonathan Taylor on your Spanish football team going, yo, Jeff Saturday, hand that ball, uh, dude, the ball because he's that dude. I keep going down the list here, okay? I look at the guy that nobody throws at playing corner, and I say, that guy, that guy over there, that's the Heisman Trophy winner. Why? He doesn't have any interceptions. Because they refuse to throw him the ball. I was saying this about Derek Stingley in all of 2019, and I still picked Chase Young, but I got Derek Stingley right there. I'm just... I can, get, as you can see, Tyler, I get worked up about this. As a matter of fact, you want to go Google it, RG Young, Fox Sports, Heisman. You can see, I'll tell you, the Heisman is not a great predictor of the best college football players ever because I wrote that piece and it's still there and I stand by it. However, the dude that won it in 2010, he is the best college football player of all time. That's Cam Newton. Uh, Tyler, thank you for letting me get on my soapbox. I steam you up. And if you're just listening to the podcast, you should have seen my face. I was clearly kind of egging RJ on because I know how he feels about this award. And honestly, I get it. Four finalists, four quarterbacks, like all the criticisms are just right on display with that. But I have to ask you here, who's going to win the Heisman? The dude that writes profane messages on his fingernails. <laughs> like... I mean, honestly, he's he. you can't put him down. I mean, okay, the comp here is not Kyler Murray as much as I want it to be because Kyler Murray was a very quiet dude when it was all said and done. Caleb Williams is not. The comp here is Johnny Manziel because Johnny Manziel would let you know that he was styling on you and he would dance around you, turn his back to the defense and still make a play, okay? The, the iconic photo of him having the fireworks coming out of his mouth as he's celebrating and he's talking about, you know, being Spartans and going out there and taking it. That's peak AM energy, but it also apparently is peak USC energy. And they want to have a Heisman winner more than they want to have a national championship, or so I would think, because, you know, last I like those things to go hand in hand, having for Oklahoma. That's why I end up yelling about the Heisman doesn't matter. But also in there, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Blake Quorum at the very least deserved an invitation. All right. Like 
the invites come down to numbers, who got the most and where was the margin, which means that there were enough voters, Heisman voters, again, I'm not one, who chose to leave Blake Corum off of their list, along with Hendon Hooker, two of the greatest players we've had this season. Blake Corum played 11 games, still rushed 1,493 yards and 18 tutties. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. And at a place like Michigan, where they know you're running the football, they know you're running the football. You're saying, hey, we're going to hold the gap. And Blake Corum still says, nah, I have some lateral speed that you just can't keep up with. And because he, like Hooker, suffered a season-ending injury, you are holding it against him. And for all the people that want to tell me what they like about college football and that this sport is not professional, well, you could have the opportunity to lift up the amateur who had an unfortunate injury, and you didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm holding the Heisman voters accountable for this. I don't understand why you need to have four or five. If there are eight good candidates, give us eight good candidates because those are eight stories that, damn it, that's what the sport is about. Sport is about the players, not about the damn stiff arm trophy. All right, so Kayla Williams is going to win it now that we got that out the way. <laughs> I can't wait to get to Saturday and find out that C.J. Stroud won it, Tyler. Like, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? That would be a shock. We haven't really had a shocking Heisman Trophy winner, and honestly, I, I can't even remember. Maybe 2007, although I don't think Tebow winning it was like some some grand surprise. But we I have... still didn't think they were going to give it to Devontae Smith. That 2020 year, I didn't think they were going to do it. Just because he's a receiver? Yeah, that's exactly why, you know, and it's an offensive award. And everybody's like, I don't know, man, Trevor Lawrence has never won it. And what's it going to be like if Trevor Lawrence doesn't win it? Matter of fact, this is an interesting discussion and a side note, but I want to point this out, Tyler, because this is important. Trevor Lawrence had not made a first team All-American because of who else he played with while he was at Clemson, which means that he would have been ineligible for the College Football Hall of Fame when his year came up because that's a rule by the national football foundation i would vote in their super 16 also that if you don't you're not named i believe it's two first team all americans you don't get considered so the idea that trevor lawrence would not have been a college football hall of famer is ridiculous now they 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 caught it and enough people put him on the ballot and that was great but that might be the best player to not win the Heisman Trophy, and there's a lot of good players who didn't win the Heisman Trophy. That's that's my quick aside. So these lists, they matter. These awards, they matter more than you know. They're about legacy. Matter of fact, Chuck Ely doesn't get into the National Football Hall of Fame's College Football Hall of Fame if somebody didn't actually go caping for him, which I'm glad that they amended that because he wasn't a first-team All-American. So I tangent, but this stuff actually does matter. It's not just whimsical, and I think that's important for us to point out, Tyler. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. I actually got a little worried there when you were talking about Trevor Lawrence because I saw him play in person three times, and I think he might be the best player I've ever watched in person. The three performances he had when I saw him were unbelievable. But you mentioned Devontae Smith winning the Heisman as a wide receiver. I actually thought our next topic, our next player, Jackson Smith and Jigba, could actually win the Heisman um, if he had played this full season. Unfortunately, that is not the case, and that leads us to our next question you put out. After it was announced that he would not be playing in the playoff and that he will declare for the 2024 or 2023 NFL draft. So you asked how big of a loss for Ohio state is it to not have Jackson Smith and Jigba in the CFP? Very unique circumstance, right? Because he hasn't really been a part of the team at all this season, but it still feels like a loss, but let's get to our first response. This one comes from death from Ohio, which aggressive Jeff. Uh, I mean, 
we barely had him this season, and we looked like world beaters on several occasions. It would have helped to get him back, but we persevered without him this season. Also, I totally understand him protecting his future and declaring early. How do you feel about it? Uh, Death from Ohio. Is that a Michigan Wolverine that once lived in Ohio? That's what that sounds like. Uh, Shout out Jake Butt, (laughs) who made that decision. I think that it's not too far, but uh, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's mean to say in the way that he said it about Jackson Smith and Jigba because that was a dude that not only was a Heisman contender, but many people thought would win the Heisman in 2022 because of how good he was last year and who he was playing with. So if you just put aside, and it's hard, but if you put aside 347 receiving yards against a very talented Utah team in a Rose Bowl win, you're still talking about a guy that two first rounders, the first two first rounder since 2007 at wide receiver for Ohio State, said on record, no, JSN is the most talented receiver of the three of us. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. And I would love to have that dude. And frankly, he tried to go. Like, he even tried to go at the game that uh, Tyler and I were at at Iowa, and it just didn't work out for him. But I would have liked to have seen him at the very least be a player that the opposing team, Georgia, would have to play in for because that's gamesmanship. So I was disappointed to see this come out just on Monday, the day after we find out what the field was. But it is what it is, and I understand Ohio State fans want to do the next man up stuff, but sometimes this stuff just goes too far because, frankly, Jackson Smith and Jigba is not getting paid to play college football. He will get paid to play in the NFL. I can see it going either way on this one. How about you, Tyler? Yeah, I was disappointed he's not playing because I like college football and I just want to see the best players playing. It's pretty simple. I don't think anyone knows, the, other than JSN, obviously, and his doctors, the extent of his injury, so I don't fault him for not playing. But I just wish that we as fans of the sport could experience that because there's so many storylines with Ohio State and Georgia. Like I, I'm so excited for that game and you want to see the best players on the field. That's not going to be the case. Now, Ohio State certainly has a few other wide receivers they can throw to, which leads us to our next response from Josh R., who admits that it's a huge loss. Josh says, it's huge just not having him as a decoy to draw the defense over to him and free up Marvin Ibuka. We haven't seen Ohio State with or fully healthy, especially at the receiver position all year because JSN went out, I believe it was in the first quarter of the Notre Dame game um, in the season opener. So it, it just hasn't really been able to come together for Ohio State. Now, granted, they still have a very explosive passing attack, but it is scary to think about how co- how good they could be if they had him out in the field, just given the seasons that, as Josh mentioned, Marvin Harrison and Egbuka have had. Man, it was tearing people up to see Jalen Waddle get back out there. And it's like, damn it, now we got to deal with both of these dudes. We got to deal with Waddle and Smith. And I'd been arguing, and I'd still argue, Waddle is the more talented wide receiver, which is ridiculous, right? You saw what Devontae Smith was doing. But I bring that point up to say, yes, uh, Josh has a great point about decoy. This is just one less player that Georgia has to identify. And frankly, they've seen enough of his film from last year to know what he's capable of. And that would be the film they're going on, right? So they'd have to be planning for the dude that was in 2021, not the dude that could be in 2022, however healthy that might have been. But Tyler brought up a good point here. Okay, the way I go at this is, in 2021, the best wide receivers at Ohio State were Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba in that order until we got to about October. And then it was clear that JSN was going to ascend to that one spot. We were still running out of slot, okay? That is a wide receiver core we all said was otherworldly. In 2020, 
That team featured Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jamison Williams. Oh, my God. J- Jamison Williams transferred to Alabama because he could not get out in front of JSN. That was the best wide receiver in football last year. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, come on, man. Like, it's ridiculous. And then 2022. Damn, JSN has gone out. Oh, no. I guess we have to turn to our Bolitnikoff Award finalist, Marvin Harrison Jr., and the number one wide receiver in the class of 2021 and what I believe is the best all-purpose player in football in Emeka Abuka. And, oh, my God, we have to turn to the number one wide receiver in the class of 2020 in Julian Fleming. Wow, we are really down at Ohio State at wide receiver. Brian Hartline, you're just, you're, oh my God. <laughs> you're ridiculous. Like, what was that? I just recited for you three years of wide receivers that rival what they were doing in 2019 at LSU. And everybody agrees that that offense was filthy. Everybody agrees that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase is unfair. To say nothing to Clyde Edwards, to Lair Terrence Marshall, and of course, uh, I say of course, and then I drop Thad Moss's name. Look, I'm... I'm not going to say that you wouldn't want to have Jackson Smith and Jigba to play on your football team. I am going to say, have you seen Marvin Harrison Jr. and that he is an absolute alien? There's a reason they call him the, uh, the Martian. I, It's not the offense that is holding Ohio State back. It's what I'm saying, right? That's never been the problem since Ryan Day got there. Am I going too far off the deep end, Tyler? No, I think you and I are in agreement. It's a big loss. Okay. I think they'll be okay. All right. <laughs> Let's get to our uh, third and final question. Um, let's go back to an award. You posed the question, who should be coach of the year? And this year, I think there's a lot of good options, and we got a few of those in the responses, so we'll go to Chase first. We said Sonny Dykes, first season, 12-0 regular season, conference championship appearance, and TCU's first playoff berth. It's hard to argue with this one, personally. That last one is the reason why Sonny Dykes is going to be coach of the year. That, that's the pick. 12-0 and 0 went on a team that was picked seventh in their conference, right, in the regular season. And they lose an overtime game against a filthily good Kansas State team that's losses were to Texas Christian, right? And we're talking about Tulane. Tulane, a team that also won their conference championship. And that matters to me. Like, if your losses are two conference championships or champion teams or your wins are the conference championship teams, that's everything to me. And then what they did against Texas is really what put it over the top because – this really is a Coach of the Year award, which is to say Sonny Dykes identified the Broyles Award winner, Garrett Riley, to run his offense. And what I thought was the most underappreciated defensive coordinator in the sport in Joe Gillespie when he left Tulsa to be at TCU. And you can see how that's turned out for them, too. It is difficult to argue with this, but getting TCU to its first playoff bid, that is the reason why he will be the Coach of the Year because nobody but nobody put Texas Christian into the college football playoff in the preseason. Right. They didn't even uh, get a bowl bid last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Five and, and seven. Yeah. And now they're on their way to the playoff, and they could win. We'll get to that later. Tune into the CFP preview show later on. Uh, our next one comes from Jane Manser. says, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, easy, change my mind. Do you want to change his mind? Uh, Sure, sure. Um, I got a hard time saying that a Michigan team that's defending a Big Ten championship and that everybody but me had ranked inside the top four, literally, and has done what everybody expected him to do, makes him coach of the year. If you're going to make anybody coach of the year who's undefeated, 
make it Kirby Smart because Kirby Smart actually won the national championship last year and he actually won the SEC championship this year and he actually beat the hell out of Michigan the last time they faced. So why a lot of people were like, I don't know about that one, dude. But if your mind won't be the, to the change my mind bit, just real quick. A person that says that out loud is closed-minded, does not like dialogue, and certainly does not like to be told they're wrong. So why bother? I have nothing else to add to that one. <laughs> Let's go to our next response. This one comes from S. Powers, who decided to list pretty much every coach, uh, starting with Riley, and then in parentheses, the traitor. I'm assuming S. Powers is an Oklahoma fan. Oh, We've man. <laughs> Uh, Sonny Dykes, Lance Leipold, and the Kleiman, Heupel, Smart, any of them. So I guess take your pick, RJ. I see there are three Big 12 coaches in there, one Pac-12 coach, and two SEC coaches. All right. Um, yo, Powers, p- pick a dude. It's it's not the Coaches of the Year Award. <laughs> it's the Coach of the Year Award. Also, knock the trader stuff off, man. Like, honestly, I understand through the offseason, maybe hold on to that because, you know, Brent Venables is going to get it on and popping. But Oklahoma went 6-6 six and six because, A, the horses aren't there, and, B, the offense left. Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, Lincoln Riley, all of it. It was le- it, it left. It's okay. It's fine. Oklahoma's going to do what they do. I, I can hear a climb in here uh, because he won a Big 12 championship. Again, nobody picked Kansas State to win the Big 12 championship, let alone play in it. But – I believe that the only guy worth really talking about, guys worth talking about in that discussion, are Leipold and Heipel. Leipold, who is a phenomenal man and whom I really adore, took a program that is a doormat, a, a program that had a head coach that once called his team a pile of garbage and flipped it. And not just a winner, but a program that so many people are proud of. And proud to acknowledge. And that is what you call changing the culture. A word's overused, honestly. But he made this his mark. He said, this is going to be my word. And he made himself available to his players. And they responded in kind, right? They beat Texas last year in Austin. And all he had to say was, I'm glad our kids learned how to finish. I'm glad that our kids understand that, you know, they have some backbone to them too. And I'm going, my goodness, that is a man that expected to beat Texas. And that's what they got, right? Now we're all getting there because Kansas is going bowling for the first time since 2008, okay? President was black, and we had a housing crisis. That's how long it's been, all right? Second part of that is Josh Heupel, and the job that he's done is not dissimilar to what Lance Leipold has done. The prestige is different because it's Tennessee, right? Kansas is a basketball school. Tennessee, we care about our football, right? We care about our football so much that when Tennessee finally beat Alabama for the first time in 16 years, I watched our senior producer well up in tears. And it's one of my favorite photos ever because that's what it means, man. That's that's how deep it is for us in this. And you as a person that's got nothing but vitriol for, for Lincoln Riley understand that better than anybody else. But for Hendon Hooker to go from damaged goods at Virginia Tech to we're talking about him being snubbed as a Heisman finalist to from Josh Heupel going, no, we're, we're going to play one of the most challenging schedules in all of football, and we're going to win most of our ranked games. We're going to start off 5-0 and against ranked opponents. We're going to beat Alabama for the first time in 16 years, and we're going to debut in the college football playoff rankings as the number one team in the country, feeling like we got a shot to knock off the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. I don't know how you left that man off a list, right? Like, Because that's where this comes from for me. There are eight finalists 
for the coach of the year award and they're all worthy candidates. I just don't understand how you wouldn't make it 10 by adding Lance Leipold and Josh Heupel to the mix. So that's that's my take in as far as what Powers is doing here. We got to stop with this traitor and the profane ways in which we're referring to coaches, Tyler. This is getting out of hand because we're still doing it. Like I thought it would go away after April. No, no, it's December. Yeah, you might not like the move, but at least S. Powers did recognize that Lincoln Riley did have a really successful season because he did list him first. Um, But that's all we got for today. Thank you to everyone who submitted their responses. These are some really good ones, and uh, we appreciate it. Yes, I appreciate it. We will be back uh, next Wednesday for our college football award show. Very excited about that. Uh, Producer Tyler and I are going to really get into our bag and have a good time with that one. Uh, As always, Producer Tyler, thank you for sifting through my Twitter mentions such as they are to find some compelling responses to help us create content for the show. And I'm really glad that we get to uh, include folks that listen to the show in the podcast. Of course. It's, it's always interesting. You guys never, never let me down there. Right on. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Chaz Boulay. Our social media mavens are Jack Coakley and Torin Westfall. Our, excuse me, our leads of screening are Torin Westfall and Jack Coakley. Our social media maven is still Javion Duncan, who's on cloud nine because, well, South Carolina is doing South Carolina things. Uh, go Gamecocks. Double up on Notre Dame and Tennessee because that would just make this show much more fun as everybody has their allegiance here. Uh, I'm the host, RJ. When I am not confusing our social media maven with our screening team, I am the host. Till then, I'm not the host again until Wednesday. We'll see you on Wednesday. Deuces.